Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 5. We have been preaching on the subject of faith and of its important necessity, how it is an absolute. It's the only way to get in. But we've sort of noticed how that true faith, divine faith, is never refused, it's never rejected, it's never refrained, and we noticed last night it's never rebuked. God's always pleased with faith that He puts in us. Again, we're not so much concerned with the world's terminologies and the abuses of Bible terms, but we're taking those examples from the Scripture in which Jesus Himself, who is the embodiment of faith, uh, brings to our attention individuals who have faith. And we're noticing their experience of faith, their expression of faith, their example of this God-given faith lived out. And that's truly where it, uh, it becomes a blessing is when it's lived out in our lives. And tonight we're going to look at another example of faith of which Jesus brings to our attention and uh, points out. And it seems as though that this faith that this centurion has, this captain over a hundred Roman soldiers, beginning in verse 5 down through uh, verse number 13. It seems as though that his faith is focused on the, on the words of Christ. And so let's read the text and notice the emphasis of faith in the words of Christ. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth homesick of the palsy, much like the man last night. He was lame, paralyzed, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Now you would think that would suffice. But faith's not going to let it lie there. Verse 8, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Here's the emphasis. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, Go, and he goeth to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. Jesus is overcome and he marvels that this centurion, who is a Roman, would possess and exercise such great faith in his word. As I travel across the country, the number one 
thing that pastors tell me that people ask who call as prospective church members seeking a church is they will say, do you have anything for young people? Or do you have anything for young married couples? What does your church have to offer singles? Do you have a program for the elderly? And on and on it goes as people are seeking for these specialized ministries for themselves. What do you have to offer with, to someone with four toes on one foot and three on the other? Can your church minister to that? And I say to these pastors, well, you ought to answer them back and tell them, yes, we have something that covers all of those bases. We have something for young people. It's called preaching and praying and praising and worshiping God. We also have something for uh, young married couples. It's called preaching and praying and praising and worshiping God. And by the way, don't forget, we have something real special for singles. It's called preaching and praying and praising and worshiping God. And listen now, elderly folks, we wouldn't leave you out for the world. We got something real good for you. It's called preaching and praying and praising and worshiping. And if you happen to be here tonight with four toes on one foot and three on the other, we specialize in you also. It's called preaching and praying and praising and worshiping God. Oh, that the true church in this hour would again get back to the place of which their faith was in the word of Christ only. He said, Lord, I don't need all the extras. I don't need the glare and the show and the glamour. I've only come this way for one thing. I need a word. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. The greatest thing that you need tonight is that and only that which can activate your faith And that is you need a word from Christ. How important it is. We are not majoring on that in this hour. We seem to be playing around with so many other things. But the word is of utmost importance. I'm talking about faith in the words of Christ. Now, I want to say three things about this. Faith in the words of Christ as is exercised by this centurion. First of all, I I want to emphasize to you and amplify that the word of Christ or the word of God is the source of all faith, Is, is it not? I have quoted on three or four occasions... Don't mean to overemphasize it, but it has to be said again tonight. And I want you to help me. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? The Word of God. Nothing else. All is excluded. Faith can only come through the channel of the Word of God. 
Now the question would be asked in the beginning, well, where did this centurion get his faith? Jesus points it out that he has faith. Where did he get it? He had to get it from the same place that we all get it, correct? Now, it's not spoken in this text, but if you'll take the time tonight or sometime to go back to Luke chapter number 7 or over to Luke 7 and verse number 3, the Bible tells us in the beginning of this story that he heard of Jesus. So in the initial, the beginning of it, faith was uh, took hold in his heart when he heard. Now, how he heard, I don't know by, uh, uh, by what avenue or what person, but he heard of Jesus and faith took hold in his heart and then brought him to Christ. Because the source of our faith is the Word of God, the hearing of the Word of God. You see, Faith begins with the words of Jesus, chapter 7, verse 3. But yet that faith, same faith ends with the words of Jesus. He heard the words of Jesus at his house where this servant was, and faith took hold in his heart. And that same faith brought him back or brought him to the Jesus of the word. It sort of works in a circuit. You never can read. The faith never really gets away from the word of God. It begins with the words of Jesus and it ends with the Jesus of the word. He's not here by accident asking Jesus for a word. He has already gotten a word in his heart that has created faith and now that faith has come and asked for another word. I guess we could say that if your faith comes from anywhere but Christ and His Word, it's not faith. And if your faith or your systems of beliefs take you to anywhere but to Christ, the Christ of the Word, then it's not faith. I was curious. I was in uh, Books a Million one day uh, a, few, a few years back and I saw that book written by Jane Fonda who supposedly some said rumored had picked up quote religion and I began to read through it and she said she had had some kind of experience and so on religiously but then she began to say that now don't get me wrong I don't believe in this mainstream doctrine that Christ is the only way and salvation is only through him and she, she tried to say she believed in Christ but she believed that people could believe in Buddha and, and could believe in Muhammad we could just all believe our own ways and we'd all be okay <laughs> her systems of belief do not take her to Christ they take her everywhere but to Christ which tells me that faith never really took hold in her heart. Because faith is not going to take you to Buddha. Faith is not going to take you to Hare Krishna. Faith is not going to take you to Muhammad. Faith is not going to take you to man. Faith will always take you to the Christ of the Word that brought faith into your heart. It will always draw you to Christ. The very element of faith is found in the words of Christ.
as the, the fish exist in the sea and, and can exist there alone and as the birds exist in the air and can exist there alone, faith exists in the words of Christ and the Christ of the word and can only exist there and there it exists alone, nowhere outside of it. The hearing, I'm talking about the source of all faith, is found in the Word. The hearing of the Word. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you heard the Word? And was it not, can I, can I verify this tonight? I won't ask you to raise your hand. I won't embarrass anybody. But, but, but just let me ask you, are you saved tonight? Do you know the Lord? I won't ask you, did, you, did, did, did that Word of salvation, where did, where did you find out about salvation? Did it not come from the Word? For us all, it came through the channel of the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying it has to be through an audible voice or through a preacher. Uh, it can come through a song. It can come through a, a, a track. It, it can come through whatever channel. But it will be the Word of God if you get saved. Because it's the Word of God that alone can ignite faith in your heart. And that's why the importance needs to be in this hour. Not on the frivolous matters of entertaining the flesh, but the true emphasis of the one thing that's going to change the soul of man, and that is the Word of God that ignites faith. And faith alone can only believe God for salvation. But it has to come out of this source of the Word, the hearing. The hearing. But you know, it really goes deeper than that. I want, I want to point out to you that the source of faith comes from the Word, the hearing of the Word, but, but also I want to take it deeper than that. It comes from the hymn of the Word. I'm talking about Jesus. You see, John tells us in chapter number 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 said, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelled among us. In other words, Christ not only imparts the word, but he embodies the word. He, he is the word. And so therefore, he being the word, he is the one who generates our faith because he is not only the embodiment of the word, but he is the embodiment of faith. And of all that God, the embodiment of God's love, every, every characteristic and attribute of God is embodied in Him. And you can't find these things anywhere else. You can't find the love of Christ anywhere outside of Christ. You cannot find the Word of God outside of Christ. You can't cut Christ from His Word and have the Word. And you cannot find faith unless you find faith in the Christ of the Word because He imparts that faith. He is faith. He is the author and the finisher, the Bible said, of faith. Now here's the question tonight before I move on. If faith is so vital, and we do believe it is, don't we? If you cannot be saved without faith, if you cannot be justified without faith, if you cannot be made righteous without faith, if you cannot have access into the throne room of grace without faith, if you cannot have victory over this world without faith, if you cannot be a child of God without faith, if you cannot, if you cannot please God without faith, where can we get this thing called faith? Is it something that you were born with? 
Did you come into this world always believing the truths of God? Was it something that you were educated in? Do, did you go to some kind of a religious system or school or seminary or whatever and, uh, and, and you were educated in this, in this matter and you became a person of faith? Can I suggest to you that the very root and shell of faith exists in the Christ of the Word. And you cannot have faith unless you get faith from Him. He's the only one that ever had it. Let me give you an illustration of Christ being our faith. And if you get any faith, you're going to have to get it from Him and He'll have to speak it into your heart through His Word. See? That's the channel of which He does it. We're going to go back to John chapter number 6 and Jesus has the disciples there plus the multitude. It says there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children. We really don't know how many was there, but it was over 5,000. He asked the disciples, knowing in himself what he would do about feeding the multitudes. They began to figure. They began to calculate. And they come up with a conclusion. They said, well, it's too far to go get food. Judas tells us that he's only got 200 penny worth as far as money, and that won't do any good. And then uh, Philip speaks up, and you can sense the tone of doubt in his voice. He said, well, there's a little old boy here. He's got five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? Now, what I'm emphasizing is, is you had 12 men there, 12 disciples that were total unbelievers in this matter of feeding that multitude. They did not believe the multitude could be fed. Do you agree with that? There was not a believer among them that thought you could take five loaves and two... And I'm not throwing any stones, honey. It'd be sort of like you leaving church on Sunday morning and your wife or your husband looking over at you, I'm talking about you ladies, and saying, Oh, honey, I forgot I invited the whole church for dinner today. It'd be a car wreck. <laughs> no, I'm not throwing stones at them. What I'm saying to you is, is they, they, didn't, they had no faith in this matter. But what did Jesus do? Jesus began to break the bread, gave it to them, and they took it to the multitude. But you've got to put yourself in their shoes. You do not believe this can be done. This is going to be an embarrassing mess. They're very intimate about even starting it because they know, they know it can't be done. <laughs> but yet they, Jesus said, do it. So, all right, well, let's just do it. And can you imagine? Now, here's the way I would have done it. I think probably the way the disciples did it. If you're really, 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 really hungry, get one. <laughs> just one. Is that two? If it is, divide it with her. <laughs> That's one. And you just get one. Just get one, please. Now, if you don't want one, get, just get one. That's all I said. Just one. Just one. Please, just get one, okay? Just please. Well, we're, just, we're going to pass you up. We're going to give one. <laughs> you about like me. You don't look like you need one. So we're just going back through here. Just Let's just get one. Now, I really feel, I, I mean, if all you had five loaves and two fishes, don't you think that's the way you'd have? Youngins, don't eat all that. Now, be careful with it. Everybody's got to have some. 
But can you imagine these disciples as they've moved beyond 100, 200, 500, 700, 900, 1,200? It should have been gone a long time ago. Now they're scratching their head in bewilderment. Where is this coming from? And they're moving all the way back now. They've gone back 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Now they've moved into the women, 6,000, 7,000, back into the children, 8,000, 9,000. How do you think they're acting when they get to the back and they've still got loads and it looks like he's breaking it so bad, fast they got basket loads uh, sitting on the side? They're saying, you got any grand youngins? Get all you can. Put some in your pocket. Looks like we got more than we can carry now. Praise God. I'm telling you, I, could, I wouldn't have believed that. Get all you want to. Here, take all you can. I'm going to ask you something. They started as unbelievers. They finished as believers. They had to. They witnessed it. Where did they get their faith? They didn't have it. They fed that multitude off of his faith. And I'm here to tell you, the totality of the Christian faith is not your ingenuity, it's not your little set of decrees and things of that. It's you hearing the word of Christ and Christ speaking faith into your heart and you in the totality of your Christian life will operate off of his faith because you didn't have any. And it is true, Galatians 2.20, Paul said what? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the what? Son of God. He said, I'm a living off of his faith. Oh, this ain't something that's created on a human level. It's coming from Jesus. The Christ of the word and the words of Christ. The source of all faith comes from Christ. The words of Christ and the Christ of the Word. Now, the second thing I want to bring to your attention, not only have we noticed that the Word is the source of all faith, but for a moment let me express to you that it is the Word that determines the size of our faith. Now, a lot of folks believe and think and act like what the Christian life is, is you just believe God for anything and everything. That makes you feel real spiritual. I don't even want to, I'm just going to go out there and believe God for that. You know, get you a big old boat and put it on your refrigerator. And every morning, believe God for your boat and believe God for whatever you, you know. But that's not what faith is. Our faith, the size of our faith, is determined and equal to the size of the word that is spoken to us. Noah built a big ship. Now how come Noah, how in the world did Noah get such a big, the first one that ever was of gigantic proportion to hold all of these animals, how in the world did he get such a big ship? He got it from a big word. God spoke to Noah. And when God's word spoke to Noah, faith took hold and Noah built that ship, how? By faith. And that faith determined the size of that ship equal to the size of the word that he got. That ship is a reflection of his faith 
that is in proportion to the word that God gave him. God said, Noah, here's the ship. This is the size. Build it. And faith went to work and built it the exact size of what the word said. See, this is not you running around throwing popcorn up in the air and saying, oh, please, please, pretty please, God, do something, do something. No, honey. That's the importance of the word because it is the word that is going to determine the size of your faith. And that's why when this centurion came to Jesus, he had had a word. Faith had taken hold, Jesus tells us, in his heart. And there were some, there were some obstacles. Uh, there were some difficulties. I think of at least three as far as what he is asking. There is the distance. He doesn't even bring the boy with him. He's back at the house. Uh, certainly you don't go to the doctor for somebody else. But you see, he realizes that the distance is no problem. His faith tells him that the word of Christ can span the distance. It's equal to the distance. There is a disease, a disorder that is there as we preached the other night. But he knows that the word of Christ is equal to the disease or the disorder as far as taking care of it is concerned. And there are differences. He is a Roman. He is a centurion. The boy is, is a servant or a slave. He's not of the nationality of Israel. We preached the other night how Jesus said, I, I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he knows. His faith knows that the word of Christ can supersede all difficulties. Boy, isn't it a blessing to know that there is a word that can ignite a faith that's bigger than any difficulty this world could ever bring against you. It can split the Red Sea. It can cross the Jordan. It can stop the sun. It can stop the mouths of lions. It can birth a child when a man is 90 or 100 years old and his wife is 90. Faith supersedes all of the elements, the natural elements and boundaries that even God has laid out. He gave faith the power because faith operates off the power of a gigantic word. I don't know what's bothering you. But the Bible said, God said, let there be light. He gave a word. And that big word brought a big light that you and I are enjoying even to this day. The Bible said the worlds were framed, how? By the word of God. Upholding all things by the word of his power. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword of able to divide asunder. We have a dynamite word and that dynamite word can ignite a dynamite faith to believe God for however big the issue is. This word can cover it. And he knew that. And he believed. And I'm going to emphasize this again. As I cross this country, in these meetings, you always got these folks that have all their excuses. 
for not being, and I know I'm preaching the wrong people. Excuse me. You tell them I said so. I'm just encouraging your heart. You're not here tonight just to go through a little rigmarole service, honey. If you ain't got a big issue in your life, you're going to have down the road somewhere. And honey, you better have a big word. Or you're not going to believe God to take care of whatever's going on in your life. But ain't it a blessing to be sitting in the house of God and God give his man a word and that word come into your heart and ignite a faith that gives you a peace to say, God, I know you can do it. You gave me a word and it was a big word. Everything that's ever been accomplished in this book has been accomplished on a word that ignited faith that believed God. Now, I hear it a lot, and I guess I've said it. Well, I just don't have a lot of faith. Well, I want to encourage you tonight. Don't worry about it. You don't take a lot. Don't take a lot. Say, well, how do you know? Well, Jesus said that if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move a what? Well, what would you do with watermelon faith? <laughs> it don't take a whole lot. It just takes a little faith to believe a big word to get a big job done. And oh, he is able. I'm talking about the word. This is important. This is the importance of the word. It's why it's important that you be here. It's why you, it's important you hear this word. You never know when he's going to say something to that heart that's going to deliver you or deliver somebody in your, to do a work in your heart. You don't want to miss that word. It is the source of our faith. And it determines the size of our faith as to how much we're going to believe him. But let me close. Verse number 13. I want to point out to you how that it is the word that shapes our faith. I have the idea uh, in mind is it's like the potter and the clay. It is the potter who, who molds that clay. God doesn't just send out a general word for just anything to happen. But when he wants to do something in your life, by faith, he has to ignite that faith. He has to create that faith. And he has to do that through a word that will come in a certain form, certain size, certain shape. For instance, in the matter of salvation, when you believed on Christ and you asked him to save you, you trusted him to save you, where did you get that idea? Where did you get the idea? Where did the idea come in your mind that if you believed on a Christ that died, buried, and rose again for you on the third day, he would say, where did that idea come from? Uh, six o'clock news? Uh, where did it come from? The Word. See, God wanted to save you, and he sent a word that had a certain size, a certain shape to it. It was called the gospel. 
and he placed that in your heart. Wasn't that what happened when you come under conviction? It wasn't by accident that I asked God to, to save me based upon the gospel. That's what the word told me he would do. He sent a word. He sent a, a tailor-made word for my heart. And you got the same one in salvation. There's only one when it comes to salvation. He sent a tailor-made word into your heart. And that word came into your heart. It came with a certain message to it. And that word came into your heart and said, You are a sinner, but my son died for you, was buried and rose again the third day, and I will save you if you will believe on me. And faith went boom. And you turned back around and started asking him for what he told you that he would do for you. Isn't that right? You didn't just dream that up. That wasn't your plan, was it? You had to have a word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word went boom in your heart. And you said, Lord, I know you died for me, was buried and rose again the third day. Would you save me? And he said, I sure will. Because I was the one told you I'd do that. I put that word with a certain shape, a certain tailor-made shape to it. But you know, after salvation, there are things that God wants to do for you that He has no intention on doing for me. He is not going to call you. He may somebody here, but He's not going to call all of us into evangelism. But it takes faith to be an evangelist. It takes faith to be a pastor. It takes faith to, 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 to lead. It takes faith to teach. It takes faith to, to live. For, doesn't it take faith for all of that? But each one of us, he wants to use in a different way, in a different uh, channel. He wants Noah to, to build an ark. He wants David to, uh, to kill a giant. He wants, he wants uh, Daniel to, to live by faith in the Babylon. He, he has something for each one of us, but none of us can do it without a word. It's impossible. But what that word will do, according to what he wants to work in your individual heart, that word will come with a certain sound and certain shape to it, and it'll come into your heart, and it will birth a faith to believe him for the certainty of what his word has told you he wants to do in your life. Whatever that may be. Have you ever just been sitting... Open up the Word of God. Have you ever done this? Just open the Word of God and be reading down through there and the Holy Ghost stop you and say, right there, I need to do something for you right here. This, you, this, this is for you. And He'll bring a truth into your life that nobody else in your house will have heard. And it won't have anything, but it'll have everything to do with you. It's got a certain shape. That's what he said to the centurion there. Look at it. <laughs> he ignited faith in his heart back in Luke 7, verse number 3. And I know what he told him. He said, if you'll take that boy to Jesus, Jesus can heal him. He ignited faith because Jesus recognizes that faith. And he says to him in verse 13, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Well, if he's a believing, how can, you, how can he believe? He can't believe unless he got a word, can he? The word came first. And he believed him according to the shape of the word. 
the message of the word that was put in his heart. You don't just run out and say, I'm going to do something for the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, 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 no. You better get you a word. That's why folks are struggling so much. They got them a little pocket full of religion. They go sing a little song, go to church when they want to, not when they want to, honey. They ain't had a word and who knows when. I'm not preaching because I, some people think that, Surrendering to preach means you woke up one morning and didn't want to go to work and craving fried chicken. Now that's not why I'm traveling across the country, honey. As a word came into my heart, shaped a faith and said, I want you to believe me to send you across the country to preach the word. And I said, Lord, I believe you can do that. And that's the faith that I'm operating off from that came through a word. A precious word. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> Have you ever been sitting in the congregation, the preacher's up there preaching, and you're thinking, man, I tell you, I need a word. And then all of a sudden, God sent a word into your heart, and you're saying, boy, you just perk up. You're saying, whoo, man, did you hear that? And you look around, everybody else is asleep, and you're thinking, well, how come they didn't get that? Because that's a word for you. But I'll be preaching along, and boy, the most, or some of the congregation be not, or maybe just looking around, or counting the ties, and... I'll see that one or that heart or that heart or that heart. It ain't saying nothing bad about all the other folks. It's just saying, God, got a word to thunder into somebody's heart. And he'll shake you. Everybody else will say, well, preacher, that's a pretty good sermon. But you'll go out and say, oh, Lord, that's turned me upside down. I don't think I'll ever get over that. It was a word sent in with a certain shape. He said to him, go to your house and it'll be unto you as thou hast believed. The same shape and size as the faith that came through the word. Two illustrations and I close. Abraham. Where under God's heaven does a, a man as old as Abraham get the idea that he's going to have a baby boy? Biologically, it's impossible. It don't make sense and who wants one at that age? <laughs> Can you imagine? Did, did old poor Abe, is he just got senile and dementia and he just, how did he get that idea? Does anybody know where Abraham got the idea that you could have a baby boy after 75 years of age? Does anybody know where he got that idea? Can somebody tell me? He'd have never thought of it. He'd have settled for something else. God shot a word with a certain shape. What shape did that word have that come into Abe's heart? You know what shape it had? Shape of a baby boy. He brought a word in there. He said, Abe, look here what I'm going to give you. Let me squeeze it right in your heart. There. And the Bible said Abraham believed God. For 25 years he went saying, Lord, everybody else thought he's crazy. He's just getting older and older and older. Lord, said you give me a boy. Lord, would you send that boy? Lord, I want that boy. There's somebody said, why don't he quit that? Well, he can't. It's been a word shot at. This ain't something he's dreamed up. It's not a fairy tale. It's a word that has the shape. And on a certain day, he's 100. His wife's 90. And guess what? That baby that came out of a word of faith was brought to fruition in his arms. Let's don't take this word lightly. 
Just don't play around with church. You just let other folks fiddle if they want to, honey. But I'll tell you something. You need to take this thing serious and say, Lord, I'm going to be where the word is preached because I'm going to need a word so I can believe you for what you're wanting to do in my heart and my life. Certain shape. You'll understand this, I know. I, the last church I pastored for 18 and a half years, I had a lady there. I'll just take a second to tell you. Her name is Sister Elsie Smith. She's 94 years old now. Just went by to see her the other day. Still doing good, going strong, still making quilts. And uh, she was in her 70s. Her husband had already passed off the scene. She had one son in his 50s that lived down in Hickory. She came down ill, went into the hospital, got worse and worse, and went into a, a, a coma for two weeks. They had her on all the tubes, the wires, whatever, you know, and she just kept getting worse and worse. Well, I had preached many an elderly person's funeral, and uh, I think it's one of the most precious times that there is. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I know that includes the young as well as the old, but it's just something precious about a gray-haired saint that served the Lord all the years. And, and I always counted it such a privilege and an honor. But for some reason, and it wasn't that Elsie was any closer to me than anyone, any of the other elderly people, but for some reason when she fell sick, went into the coma, I, I cannot explain to you, it was just like the Lord spoke to my heart and kept saying to my heart, it's not time. It's not time. And I wrestled with that. I said, well, Lord, I can't do anything about it. What are you telling me it's not time for? It's just not time. Not time. And I can remember that, that night. I was standing in the hall, the door right here. Her son was standing there at the door. The doctor came to her son and said what I'd never heard a doctor say before. I thought it was a little rude. He said to him, sir... If you know what funeral home you're going to use, you need to call them because she's only minutes away. The vital signs have all just about dissipated. Those were the words. I turned to walk back down that hall and the Holy Ghost spoke to me just as clear as the day he saved me. And he said, do you want me to heal her? And I said, Lord, I don't know, but there's just a, I, it, it just seems like it's not time. He said, you want me to heal her? I said, I don't know why, Lord, but I sure wish you would. He said, just ask me. I said, Lord, would you heal Sister Elsie? I don't know what your plan is, but obviously it's not time. <laughs> God is my witness. The next morning, she had no tubes, no wires, no nothing on her. She was eating a full course breakfast. Now, if you've ever fasted, for two weeks, you don't just go back and eat. She ate a main meal for breakfast. The doctor came in. He said, I about passed out. He said, I, I like to fell over. I could not believe that. She didn't get better. She was better. They usually wheel you out for insurance purposes. The nurses lined up over there at that hospital in the hall and clapped as she walked out. I went by her house two days later, and she was digging potatoes. She moved down to Hickory Deer Boy into a retirement center. She wasn't in there. Now, I don't know if you can understand this or not. I'm sure you can. She was a good woman. She was a saved woman. 
She was a sweet woman. But in an extra sense, when God healed her, he filled her with the Holy Ghost. I mean, just to get around that woman, to listen to that woman. She's not a talkative woman, but oh, she don't have to say much. Just a little old frail of a woman. I don't know if she weighs 100 pounds. But she writes letters like the Apostle Paul, faith like you hadn't seen. And since that day that God raised her up, I could not begin to tell you the works and the lives that that little old woman touched in a little old room back there at the end of that little old rest. I came out of there the other day when we went, and the woman that owns the place, she stopped me and she said, Preacher, why is it the way it is with her? I said, what are you talking about? Everybody that comes into this place finds themselves back in her room talking to her. Everything she touches just seems to freshen up and be blessed. And if she's here today, if she walked down, she'd walk like this just on. But oh boy, you can just about see the glow. <laughs> she brought some of the people up to a revival meeting when I was still pastoring. A man 74 years old walked the aisle and got saved out of that retirement center out of her, the first one she was in and he, when I went back down to visit her he burst through the door and he said preacher I apologize I don't mean to be rude but he said I just got to tell you I was lost for 74 years and he said God sent this little old lady my way to tell me about Jesus he had another work he wanted to do through his little vessel and he shot a word into my heart that just wouldn't die and a faith that said, yes, Lord, would you do that? And I'm going to tell you something. God's got much to do in your life. He's got a big word for you that will create a faith that will be sufficient to get the job done. Aren't you glad for the word?